Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson. Set in the 1930s, the Grand Budapest Hotel is a popular reopened ski resort presided over by concierge Gustav H. Zero, a junior lobby boy, becoming Gustav's friend and protege. Gustav prides himself on providing first-class service to the hotel's guests, and that includes holding many interpersonal relationships with those guests. When one of Gustav's lovers dies mysteriously, Gustav finds himself on the recipient of himself, the recipient, <laughs> the recipient of a priceless painting and the chief suspect in her murder. You're listening to Interest Podcast. My name is Timothée, and I'm Vogel. And we'll be starting this movie analysis slash review slash conversation with Gustav's interesting relationship with his guests. So, uh, what are your what what is your opinion on Madame D, the okay. woman who died? So, just um, a clear up for our listeners: Madame D is one of the guests at the hotel, and Gustav. H um, has uh, begins to develop a relationship with her, and also you know one of he also has this tendency to have like interesting relationships with these older women mm. who are most likely in, likely in their seventies and eighties, etc. Um, so what I thought was that it's really funny. I thought it was really interesting um, because you know why would a young man like him? Be interested in uh, older women, and I thought, first of all, maybe he might have some mother issues, you know, growing <laughs> up. Um, mother issues. But I honestly don't think that's the case because he actually, the narrator, um, which is narrated by like an older zero, mm-hmm. uh, he says that Gustav has like these relationships with rich, old. In- insecure, vain, superficial, blood, needy. blonde, yes. needy women. Um, and he himself is needy and blonde and vain. And many of those things. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I think it's very much of like a comical relief that she was an older lady. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if she was um, maybe younger, and you know, of course she was murdered, I feel like the movie itself would just be more of like a murder mystery. Yeah. But having Madame D become be like an older woman, older woman, um, it really does like add some comical relief, I think. And so I thought it was really funny and very interesting. That somebody died. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do agree with you on the on the like the meaty and slash like thingy part, like how it's all inter- interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. But do you think that it's like comical relief, or is there like a really deep, like rooted, you know, symbolical thing yeah. about Gustav in there? Because you know how people say people are attracted to others that are similar to them. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines, right? Yeah, I did say like maybe he might have um, mother issues, or as Gen Z's call it, mother really issues. We don't know. Yeah, we don't really know, but I think. Part of it is does have like this deeper meaning behind it, mm-hmm. or it could just be something that Wes Anderson likes. But then again, he is like this cinematic genius. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all up to interpretation. Yeah, and but I actually, actually yeah, yeah, actually? and Boca did mention like before 
how you know Gustav is like he himself is this blonde person who can mm-hmm. be vain, needy, um, maybe well, sometimes insecure, maybe some, and in the end he becomes rich. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it does have that meaning towards it, where like Gustav is loves people who are the same as him. Mm-hmm. If he loves people who are the same as him, we also know that he loved Zero, right? Yeah. So do you see any of those traits in Zero, like needy, insecure, and what whatnot? Because I definitely don't see the blonde component in there. Yeah, definitely. And I think, mm-hmm, what do you think? I don't know. I don't really see it. I feel like maybe it was symbolic of him hanging out with those like needy rich like women so much uh-huh. that zero was like a breathe of fresh air for him like he had someone in his life that was not any of those things that that gave to him instead of him just giving to the women yeah right? definitely i i think yeah i was just gonna say how like zero seems to be this new aspect of his life mm-hmm. and i think that's why gustav can be super protective over him mm, because yeah. he is like I feel like Zero is this puppy. Yeah, I know? love that he's so protective. Though. Yeah, and I feel like Gustav needs to protect something this, like, pure, uh, not even pure, but, like, something that's so new in his life. Mm-hmm. He needs to keep, uh, get a hold of it before he loses that grip. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why he's very protective. Um, and he's also called the lobby boy, which is not something that... Um, like a, an authority figure or somebody like important would have. It's mm-hmm. just something like a title that's given to somebody who's just like does stuff. Yeah. And lobby boys, they're very important in the hotel, so they need to be protected. Yeah. And which is I I think Gustav like is very really protective. And he also says that when he was young, he yeah, was also yeah, a lobby yeah. boy, right? Yeah. So maybe he feels his, like connection towards lobby boy, aka zero. Yeah, I definitely did think while I was watching the film how Gustav himself um, became like uh, one of the concierge people uh, because he kind of grew up in that hotel being a lobby boy. And so mm-hmm. I feel like he does relate to Zero on that fact mm-hmm. um, where, you know, he can relate to the problems that Zero might be having as a lobby boy. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, I feel like Gustav really wanted to uh, keep Zero under his wing. Yeah, do you mean relate as in maybe when he was younger as a lobby boy, he went through a lot of issues and difficulties, and he doesn't want lobby boy to face them as well, and he wants his experience to be as smooth sailing as possible. Yeah. Actually, you know, I honestly don't think that Zero seemed to have a lot of problems in the film it seemed like he was very easy going right? with it like yeah. he was just giving those tick uh messages to the um guests and like was you know he knew like all the rules mm-hmm. um he's very productive too yeah he just he didn't have a problem at all like his uh, i think all the other like lobby staff liked him a lot too and respected him a lot uh-huh. because they knew that gustav also respected Zero, so they like took it as a sign that Zero should be trusted, and he is trustworthy, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, so enough about all the deep stuff. Do you just want to <laughs> talk about? <laughs> do we talk about the small little details, the nice details that Wes Anderson added, like Z to A when? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically, uh, to our listeners who haven't watched the film, um, there's this. A bakery called Mendel's, and uh, this girl 
who's around the age of zero, I think. Uh, she. The age of zero? Yeah. <laughs> um, so she is like this assistant ba- baker, I think, uh-huh. or she is just a baker herself. And she is like this teenage girl who works at Mendel's. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they never said how they met. But basically, Agatha is like Zero's lo- uh, romantic interest, mm-hmm. love interest. And you can see how like how their names correlate with each other. How Agatha starts with an A, mm. and Z starts Zero starts with a Z. It's A to Z, the alphabet. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the alphabet itself is complete. So I feel like Agatha and Zero, they themselves like complete each other. Mm, agreed. And Agatha yeah. is also like a very, I think it gives off very like women power, like girl boss vibes. Yeah, like yeah. she was like the women empowerment in the movie because whenever something was a storm and she had to do something, she was always like up for it. Like she always took responsibility, did everything correctly, did as she was like, and like spoke like spoke up when something was wrong and she felt like she needed to, needed to say something. Which I thought was very great, cause Zero, he's like very like shy and uns- like very soft spoken, you know. And they like contrast with each other very well in that way. Yeah. Like how you said, how they complete each other. Yeah, you can see how like, I think you can also see a way how Agatha is on one side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. while Zero is on the other side, where Zero is more like, uh, is more reserved. I think he seems very. Uh, introverted Mm -hmm. while Agatha does seem a lot more extroverted and how she's so much more brave to you know how she was like hanging on to the balcony Mm -hmm. like she was actually willing to protect that painting and she was willing to do that um while I feel like Zero might have not thought of that before he met Gustav I feel like he himself changed um into being more extroverted and being more brave when he met Gustav because you know how uh, Zero actually, I feel like he did mention something about how like he was gonna do everything to try to save Gustav. And he also fell like with Agatha off the balcony. Yeah. Which which is something I don't believe he would have done if he didn't like have Agatha and uh, Gustav's influence, right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. So, do you now? Do you want to talk about? Hmm, some other very insignificant, but very, not insignificant, very like minor, but very like uh, interesting significant stuff. characters. Yeah. Yes, interesting. Like Joplin. Oh, characters? Okay. Yeah. So, what did you think about Joplin for like his violent uh, acts? Tendencies. <laughs> yeah, tendencies. What I thought about Joplin, um, he, I thought he was, he had like no uh morals well obviously not in like a very bad person way it's as if he was just completely forgot that other people had not 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 that like he's like lost all humanity for some reason and that is why he's going out doing all these killing all these people and doing all these heinous acts and he doesn't really shed a single tear or shed like a single thought about what would happen to them and or what the people that cared about that would happen to them so He's just doing his job, even though it's very bad, you know? Yeah, I feel like he has this... He's doing his job for his family. You know, he's doing it so uh, he could protect them. Actually, I never got who actually murdered Madame D. 
Madame D. Was it? Was it Dimitri? Probably, cause, cause I, but I think he wanted like all of her estates, mm-hmm. um, and all of her like, uh, like money basically. Mm-hmm. I I don't think the. I don't know, but they did arrest Dimitri. Do you think that's why Dimitri was like so uh, mad and annoyed when Gustav just came bursting in, like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, like, yeah. And he had the uh, he had the estate ownership because Madame D liked him so much, and he also like maybe he thought because Gustav was interfering, he would get found out that he committed a murder. He was yeah. To blame. So to our listeners, uh, by the way, Dimitri is one of the sons of. The woman who died, who is mm-hmm. Madame D. Yes. Um, and he's a very much grown adult. Yeah, I've grown so, adult. <laughs> but he seems very childish. Yeah, he does. He seems very childish because, um, so when basically when Gustav came into their like uh, hall, where they were like, uh, it seemed like an auction. I don't know. It wasn't really an auction, but it was like basically the lawyer attorney was um, announcing all the things. On her will? I think it was a, a funeral, right? Because there was like a coffin in the side. I think that was in another room. But anyway, yeah, so yeah, basically, right, right. okay, not like a... Okay, anyway. Okay, unimportant details, go on. Um, it was a funeral, and Gustav gets escorted into that room where uh, they're reading her will. And it basically says that uh, Gustav is... Um, is in possession of is going to be in possession of Madame D's pa- Madame D's painting boy called Yeah, Boy with Apple. Where I don't it was they say it's a very beautiful painting and I think it was, but mm. for me I, I didn't think it was that special. Maybe it has like some it's other just, deeper meaning. Just art people stuff. Yeah, exactly. Art people stuff. We wouldn't get it, but still it was still a very beautiful painting. And also I forgot what I was going to say, but language, when you said that Dimitri was like very childish compared to the other characters, I remembered that uh, when Dimitri talked, he talked like very um, childishly, like, oh my god, don't steal the painting, blah, 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 you're, yeah, such, yeah. A, you're such a blah, 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 right? And opposed to him, the, uh, Gustav was like very like proper and sophisticated, like, I'm sorry for that, my deepest apologies to you, and he was a like, very... The comparatively, they were very far apart on the spectrum, and they were also enemies. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting how different uh, Dimitri speaks. But basically, during that funeral, Dimitri was like yelling, uh, <clears throat> and he, he like punched Gustav, and then Zero <sighs> punched him. Yes. And uh, yeah, and so Dimitri was really angry at how uh, Gustav was like who was now in possession of Boy With Painting. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, like, I would get his feelings, how he's mad, because why does, like, this random hotel concierge get one of my family's items, you know? Mm. And he's like, I hope you didn't touch a... uh, I hope you didn't lay a finger on my mother's body. You know, something like that. And I would be mad, too. Because, like, why would a random man... Be handed something a, but, from my dead mom, you know. But Dimitri, I thought Dimitri killed Madame D, so he wouldn't really care about if Gustav touched her mother's body. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So maybe he right. only said those things to, you think like, do you think he only said those things to seem 
innocent and seem like he was the good guy? I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay, so... And he says some... Should we say that funny thing? Uh, uh, um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, <clears throat> so, Dimitri says something to Gustav that we can't really say, but... Um, you are, but you're... Like... We can say it though, right? We can say it. We can. I don't think we can. Okay. Tuma, can you cut this part? Thank you. Okay. So, um, three, two, one. I also think it's interesting how uh, Zero grew a real mustache and maturity mm, like later yeah. on in the movie when the guy was like checking in, right? Yeah, so basically Zero, every morning, apparently he grew up, uh, he was like um, sleeping. He basically lived in one of the servant uh, bedrooms. And he, in the mirror, like, he would draw um, a mustache, like, a fake mustache with, like, a pencil, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, like, some kind of eyeliner pencil. Wait, did he? Yeah, he did. When he was young? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Really? You know, I didn't. That's yeah, cool. he definitely did not have a mustache, and so he drew it himself in the mirror, and then he would go out and do his lobby boy things. Oh, and then in the end, I noticed how during, I think, his uh, wedding with Agatha... Mm-hmm. He actually grew a mustache. It was very similar, like, to his fake one, yeah. but it was actually real. And it's like symb- symbolic of him growing up. Yeah, exactly. I thought, yeah. you know, when I saw that scene, I thought, wow, he probably he has grown this mustache to like symbolize how he's maturing mm-hmm. and how he in how he is like in some way um, growing into um, Gustav like habits or not habits but you know how everyone in the film has like those kinds of mustaches mm. and Gustav also himself has like this big mustache above his um, mouth so I thought it was really interesting how maybe like uh, Zero is kind of adapting to that kind of environment and kind of kind of becoming Gustav because he is the lobby boy and he's not like yeah. Gustav he's not like a very high position he doesn't have a high position in the hotel yet so he doesn't have that like mark of I am belong in this hotel. I work in this hotel of yeah. the mustache, right? Yeah, and so during that wedding, we already know that he's gonna become the owner of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, not the owner, but the next concierge. Um, or did he become the owner? At the yeah, I think he, yeah he did. I, yeah, so yeah. that kind of legacy was handed down to Zero. And I think that's also again like seeing how he's now the next Gustav in mm-hmm. some sort of way. Cause you do you agree that like sorry do you agree that uh, Zero's behavior in general changed like a lot from the movie like the main events of the movie and like the when he's narrating because in the like the main meat of the movie he's like very like uh like I said soft spoken right yeah. and like you said like very introverted and very quiet but and fire like he just looks confused and lost. In my yeah, opinion. and then when he's narrating, when he's narrating, he sounds very like he's sure of himself, and he's like figured out the meaning to life, or like he's figured yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, you know how like he, I noticed how he was like saying he's kind of like stuttering when he kept saying like yes sir mm-hmm. to Gustav, and so I think yeah he I, he has that like kind of really stutter like nervous. 
kind of tone in his voice. But when he gets older, that kind of thing is like, I also anxiety. Like, yeah, that anxiety is kind of like, he kind of uh, came over, and so yeah, I was also gonna like mention how, you know how, um, the way that the older Zero talks, is very like uh, reminiscent. Yeah, it's very. It's very much in the same way that Gustav talks. Yeah. Maybe it's because, like... The effects of being the owner of the Grand Budapest yeah. Hotel. But also, like, being... He himself, like, being a... Would we say muse? Or, like, I guess more friend to Gustav? Idol? Like... Yeah. Uh, Gustav being an idol to Zero. Yeah. And... Um, someone to take after. Someone to look up to. Cause yeah. I, at the start, it, it was clear that Gustav really liked Zero and he wanted Zero to be... He showed signs of wanting Zero to be the next Grand Budapest Hotel owner. And Zero, I think, maybe he felt that and he thought that he needed to look up to uh, Gustav in order to be a good Grand Budapest Hotel owner. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, who's... The, 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 okay, next okay. Uh, topic. Um... Oh, yeah, I did actually, I noticed how in the film, um, uh, Gustav asks Zero, like, uh, what, what's your, like, experience, what's your education, do you have family, and then Zero all says none, or he says zero, and so I feel like, yeah, like, his name does definitely come from how he's this, like, ghost, Mm -hmm. like, he has no, he has zero education, he has zero family, he has zero experience. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. And when he says that the Grand Budapest Hotel is the best or something along those lines, Gustav's like, amazing, great. And he's yeah. just like, he gets that kind of validation from Gustav. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, Want to go back into the meat of the movie and like the deep stuff? Because like, I just had, I just remembered that uh, when they, when Gustav escaped from prison and uh, Zero forgot to bring his perfume, he got like really mad at Zero for doing that. And he was like, oh my god, you're so useless, you're just an immigrant, blah 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 blah. And then when Zero was like, I didn't have a choice, I, I, was, I was forced to leave my country, Gustav goes up, oh my god, I'm so sorry, you poor little baby. And yeah, it how, just like, yeah. Yeah, how he's actually a refugee. Uh-huh. And he showed the demon the inner demons of Gustav that he doesn't normally show to other people, I think. Yeah, I was gonna when you said that, um, I actually thought maybe Gustav is just a character. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Gustav is just this kind of outer being. I don't think he's like this may not even be his real person like he may not even be him, like the real Gustav. Because you know how the narrator says that um Something along the lines of like how Gustav never entered his world, mm-hmm. and he, uh, you Wait, know, really, he, yeah, he said something how like you know the guy with the glasses, yeah, he was asking uh, the older Zero if uh, this hotel is his world, is it, if it's like Gustav's world, mm-hmm. and he's you know kind of living in it, um, or adapting to it, and then mm-hmm. but Zero says. No, I think that uh, Gustav never entered his world, mm-hmm. and he. Um, Do you think? And he, you know, he died. So like, he never actually. I don't know. I I thought that was like a very interesting. I thing. think it's 
do you think it's more of like a he was more of an observer than a participator because he was always there like doing things like uh making sure that everyone was happy and all that but he never participated like his needs were never met so uh, he didn't ask for his needs to be met he, like he wasn't actively like pursuing what he wanted he was just like there he was like floating around in the hotel like zero like uh madame d and stuff so he was more of a didn't enter his world in that kind of way you mean gustav yeah gustav yeah i definitely yeah that's actually a really interesting way to see things see that um kind of see that thing that zero said because yeah i Actually, I think that is one of the. I think that is very interesting because Gustav is like a hotel manager, basically. Mm. So he's really just trying to make sure everyone is okay, and he's never. He never really checks in on himself. Yeah. But I feel like, and then the thing with the perfume, I just had a thought that maybe he's using the perfume to kind of like have an outer bubble, Ooh. where like he's kind of. You know, his perfume is just, like, his coping mechanism. Uh-huh. Maybe. To cover up his, like, insides. Yeah, maybe. Like, he's just... Maybe the perfume is, like, the one thing that he has for himself. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing that he... It's his own thing, you know? And so maybe he's just using the perfume to kind of create this outer layer out of himself. That's a really good idea, because I just had another idea. Like, you saw the perfume, you have the perfume bubble idea, right? Yeah. So when uh, he got mad at Zero for not bringing the perfume, yeah. and he got mad, that was basically oh, him without yeah. the perfume. Oh, like, oh, that's so... Wait, that's... Wait, wait. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. Okay, well, Wait, that, that's actually so smart. Yeah, that's so smart. Cause, oh my god. Remember, like, um, when he was, when they were, like, escaping, and he was in the car, and he couldn't have... He put on his perfume, so Dimitri smelled the perfume in the car, and I was like, oh, Gustavo's was here. Like, he leaves that yeah. kind of mark. And Wait, not uh, Dimitri, it was uh, one of the officers, yeah. Hefling. The same thing. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really smart. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dude, okay. I think they, they kind of just, like, cracked down Wes Anderson's whole <laughs> Yeah, we really did. Because the, you think the, the perfume is, like, a really, like, uh, how do you say it again? Like a fragrant... Like a pungent smell? It was really mysterious. Yeah, pungent, mysterious. Like mysterious, like arcane, very... It wasn't like introduced to the movie as like, oh my god, this is the perfume, guys. Look at the perfume. This is the perfume. It was more like subtle. Like, uh, Gustave loved his perfume. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What what was the name? I I forgot. Play Pena. I don't know. Play Pena. Yeah. Something with like a Pena. France. Yeah, it was definitely French. Pina colada. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah, that... Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe we literally cracked down the we whole premise the of the story. So, yeah, I think... Wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. Because you know how, like, the one time in the film that Gustav isn't himself, where mm-hmm. he's, you know, like, the rest of the film, he's very calm. He's very, like, hello, darlings. Hello, chaps. <laughs> you know, even to the soldiers. He's, like... That one time he ha- doesn't have his perfumes, mm-hmm. doesn't have his perfume. Um, he just it all comes out. Yeah, like, like all the emotions, all the like bad stuff that was like bubbled in, it all bubbled out. Like, yeah, yeah, some a wine spilling. Like somebody like shaked a Coca Cola can, and the perfume going away was like somebody opening that and then yeah. fizzled. Wait, but I have another thought. Yeah? You know how like even in the prison 
He didn't have his perfume. So, oh. what do you think? Wait, that's right. Wait, maybe like, oh, maybe it was because like when he in the prison, he knew that if he went out, he would have the luxury of the perfume. But when he actually did go out, and he realized that Zero didn't have it, he was like, oh, I'm not gonna have it for a long time, even though I just got out. Like, he was like, in the prison, he had that like. Uh, he was anticipating the perfume, but when Zero said he didn't have it when he got out, he was like, okay, I'm not going to have a perfume. Well, I might as well just psh, bubble out. Yeah, he had this, like, end goal. You know, he, it kind of kept him sort of sane yeah. to think how he was actually going to get out. And, um, yeah, and I definitely do think, yeah, he had this, like, ambition. And when he actually got out, that kind of ambition just kind of, like... It's fizzled out. Yeah, fizzled out. Where he was in the real world, right? He was out of prison, so he needs that perfume. And his mm -hmm. end goal, his end goal essentially was to escape prison. And when he did, he didn't have his like. Wait, do you think? Wait, I just had a thought. Another thought. So prison, right? Prison. Yeah. And because when Gustav is in prison, prison is where all the bad guys go. So he doesn't really need his perfume because that he's already a bad guy inside. So without the perfume, he's just like one of the prisoners. But when he goes out into the real world where innocent people, like normal people are going and thriving and he doesn't have his perfume, he doesn't have his like good person persona perfume around him. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to kill all of you. He oh goes crazy God. and all that. <laughs> Wait, oh my God, you're so smart. Wait, that actually makes total sense because you know how he is surrounded by luxury. You mm -hmm. know? He's surrounded by rich people. He's surrounded by these older, blonde, vain, needy, rich, blonde <laughs> women. Yes. Um, and he needs that perfume, you know, to kind of protect himself. Mm -hmm. But I actually don't think he's a bad person. I feel like, actually maybe, but maybe it's because of his crime that we think that he might be like this. Or, okay, but either oh, way, I feel like, he, like... Okay, sorry, you go on. I feel like he does still have this inner demon. Yeah. Um... That he hasn't like uh come to terms with. Yeah. And yeah, and so like he, when he's in prison he doesn't have to protect himself. He doesn't have to like hide his own identity. Yeah, protect himself. Yeah. That's like the perfume is to protect himself. And when he's in prison, all the peop other people in prison are not like high standard, high society people. They're just like normal people that committed crimes. So he doesn't feel the need to prove himself, prove himself to those people. So he doesn't need to have the bubble around him, right? Yeah. But it's really interesting how we don't really get to see that side. We don't yeah. get to see his bad side. Yeah. And Only in one part of the movie. <clears throat> yeah, and so we don't get to see his like bad demon side that you know we're like theorizing about in the prison. But he actually kind of seems to be a bit more nice. Yeah. He seems very nice, and I think actually you know what it might be because he's obviously not gonna like show his bad side to like prisoners. He's obviously he himself wants to he um he idolizes like he needs he wants hospitality for like other people right because mm -hmm. you know he himself is like a hotel manager who um whose other people needs are, are his, yeah yes. are his, is his like first priority yes. so maybe it's because how like because maybe the prisoners uh relate to him he doesn't have to act that mean. Mm. He doesn't, you know, he like, he feels, I feel like he yeah. really does like 
to make sure that people are content. He, oh, me. Do you mean like he he likes doing it, but but since it's not like who he really is, it's like uh, taking care of people is like a hobby to him. But uh, when the hob the hobby like gets to a point where it exhausts him, so when he like he needs the perfume to stay sane, like and in the prison he doesn't he isn't like doing his ho- wait. But in the prison, doesn't he like uh, go around serving people her mendels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Wait, no, not mendels. Not her. Like uh, mush. Yeah, mush, mush. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, he was like really nice to that big older guy. Yeah, you know you said how you said like. You know how you said mm-hmm. that he really likes to help people. I feel like it's become a habit. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's become this like tendency to actually help people and. He can't really live without it, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like, maybe he's just, like, everywhere he goes, he has to help people. He has to make sure that people's needs are met. And so, even in prison, I feel like he has that habit. You know, he can't really stop it. Yeah. It's probably, you're probably right, because when I first watched the movie, I thought it was to, like, make sure the people in the prison liked him back. Or, but in reality... I mean, like, when you show hospitality to the people around you, they're likely to show hospitality back, right? Yeah. But like you said, he's, like, uh, shown hospitality so much that he can't even stop, even when you don't really need people from prison to like you, right? You just, like, do your own thing, whatever. I feel like, actually, maybe we people do need other inmates to actually like them, because it's, like, so yeah. they don't get beat up. Oh, yeah. But, right. um... Yeah, I actually thought, um, yeah, and I was going to say, like, you know how he has his, like, you know how Zero gives him Mendel's, like, this small box? Mm -hmm. And um, Gustav actually takes it, and he actually gives it to the people who were actually going to escape, who had this plan to escape. And it was, like, really, really interesting how, like, he's sharing his uh, luxury, basically. He's sharing... Mm -hmm. His wealth to not his wealth, but like, like his own part of the world, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his um, his like not physical wealth, but like, you know, how he's in this, he's in a different world than these prisoners. You know, mm. these prisoners are coming from like very uh, like rustic areas and like where they will only eat mush, yeah, probably, yeah. And so, like, he's sharing, he didn't, he himself, like, didn't even eat the Mendels, you know, yeah, I feel like he's ate it. I thought maybe he ate so much of it that he can't even bear it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people in that film like do say how like Mendel they're always eating Mendels, you know, like in or like they'll always eat it. It's pretty so, popular. Yeah, yes. and I thought, you know, him being like him showing hospitality to those people, uh, like giving a part of his luxury is another aspect of his character where maybe it is just a habit or maybe he actually is nice do you think it was intentional though like by Wes Anderson to show his hospital side and in that way like in the prison where he just uh, goes around handing mush to people when he doesn't really need to yeah I yeah I think so I think Wes Anderson definitely wanted to show the audience how like the main protagonist and the main good guy is Gustav. Mm-hmm. But we're thinking, you know, that Gustav 
I'm thinking at least that Gustav is like the main antagonist. I feel like he's like the evil. I don't know the way that we're describing him. The way that we're describing him, it seems like he's like the bad person in the film, like the real bad person. Yeah, but in reality, he's a really good person, right? Uh, yeah. Not really a good person. Like, well, he cares about other people. We're, yeah, we're theorizing about that. Um, oh yeah, I actually just thought of like you know how when Zero uh, visits Gustav, mm-hmm. and Gustav comes out with his face beat up. My first instinct oh, yeah. was. Oh my god, he got beat up by some guy. Mm-hmm. But he himself actually said that he beat someone else up. Wait, when he was out of prison? No, no, no. When they were in the, you know the telephone thing? With the glass? No. Okay, not a telephone, but there was like glass and Zero was visiting Gustav. Mm-hmm. And he... Tried... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the prison where like... Uh, what... Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, what, what were you going to say? Uh, I was like, in the prison where... Uh, relatives come to meet the inmates like they're the yeah yeah relatives. yeah go yeah. on so <clears throat> i i just had a thought where like it's like it's really funny how like he 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 actually beat someone else up instead of like the other way around because mm-hmm. i thought that gustav would be more fragile mm-hmm. because you know how gustav acts very flamboyant and he acts very like uh very he seems very flat fragile yeah um, Very, where someone could just like raise his hand, he might be like, ah, uh, you know, feminine in a way. Yeah, he seems very feminine, mm-hmm. but I keep thinking how like he probably is. You know, the theory that we have that he's actually like he has this inner demon. It kind of comes out when, uh, when the soldiers or when the guards are trying to take Zero away, yeah. and then he's like, don't, uh, don't touch my lo- lobby boy. Because he's over, like, overprotective, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel like he uses his, like, um, aggressiveness for good and bad. Do you think it's his him using his aggressiveness for good and bad, like you said, or him, like, his uh, caring for people characteristic, like, him being, like, very, uh, putting others before himself, coming out in an extreme way, like, saving Zero, even though he's going to get beat up in the process? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I feel like, actually, I don't, I feel like, yeah, I actually agree that his aggressiveness, his aggressiveness might actually be a way to, his Same way to show, show that people cares. that they, he actually cares for them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know how he's yelling that um, Zero didn't get his uh, perfume? Maybe he was yelling at, Gust- uh, maybe Gustav was yelling at Zero and in a way that he was like teaching him a lesson, in like a good way, like don't do this again, you know. Oh, so, so in a way, like uh, zero, you had a job and it was to give perfume to me. You didn't fulfill that job, and by not fulfilling that job, you showed that you didn't care about me as as much as I thought you did. And I'm hurt by that, and I give so much to you, but you're not gonna give back to me, and like something along those lines. Maybe not like uh, maybe not you don't care about me but i feel like he like yeah. he's um he seems like a parent mm-hmm. to zero and so you know how parents like scold their children mm-hmm. like sometimes aggressively sometimes you know passively but he seems like he's very aggressively like trying to scold him mm-hmm. and actually like uh in a way like show his love where he uh wants zero to like 
not be someone who doesn't bring perfume. Mm-hmm. He wants Zero to be like this very uh, mannered person, you know. I think I know what you're trying to say. So you're trying to say that we both established that uh, Gustavus is a like, very uh, caring person, right? So, uh, and being caring is one of his ways of life. It's what he thinks is important. And when Zero, somebody he wants uh, to wants to be looked up to, uh, doesn't do that. It doesn't like show those caring qualities. He gets mad because Zero didn't wasn't caring like him. So Zero has to be caring in order to be the next lobby. In order to be the next Grand Budapest Hotel owner. Yeah, he, he has to. Yeah, Zero has to like follow orders. Yeah. He, <clears throat> maybe not like, maybe not care, but like follow orders in a way that he has to do something that someone says. You know? mm-hmm. He has to... Um, like a lap dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because he's going to be like one of those people. He's going to try to like uh, give people's... give things that people want, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if you know how like um, hotel guests like ask for things like, can I get a wet towel? Can I get like this, that, you know? Mm-hmm. Zero has to be able Fill to... Those things. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like from early from early on, uh, Gustav may have like noticed how he may have already known that Zero was gonna be like the future owner. Uh, yes. So he was like definitely trying to uh, raise him up to that yeah, standard. Yeah, exactly. Mhm. Well, that yeah. was a. I really liked the perfume bubble thing. You yeah. Know? Like when I watched the movie at the start, I was like, Oh my god, this is so confusing because they use so like. Um, sophisticated language, right? Yeah. So many big words, and and so many like made up words too. Like mm-hmm. even um, so, like the Grand Budapest Hotel, I s- saw online that it's actually um, in like this uh, fictional European country. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be like somewhere in, I don't know, like Italy. I don't know. Not Italy, but like you know, I actually had a name called like Zambra. Zimbabwe? I don't know, but it's something with like a Z in it. Uh-huh. And Zero? <laughs> yes. And uh, then um, it started with a Z, and I thought, you know, this place is probably somewhere like way off. Like, I don't know. In I, the Himalayas. Yeah, I, I don't know why I thought like it was in Russia or like something like that, but. Um, it's very, like, it's just like made up world with made up words. Yeah. And that's why we thought that it was hard to understand. And like because we thought it was like because like we we thought it was hard to understand like having that like figuring out the theory with the bubble and the perfume was like so a breathe of fresh air because like it was this movie since Wes Anderson is known to be very you know like a good a cinematic genius right and when somebody's a genius it must be hard to like crack what they're trying to say and we what we talked about what might not exactly be what we tried to crack, but what 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 was Anderson tried to say, but like just having you know yeah, very, yeah. Very yeah I, okay um uh should we talk about anything else? I don't know I think I think the perfume theory thingy majiggy was already a good podcast episode on its own yeah so yeah, we we could probably talk about that for like an hour. Yeah, so we don't want to put that burden on our interest podcast supervisor, Shannis, over here. So we're going to be ending the podcast on this amazing note. So thank you guys for watching. Please 
uh, follow us, Inches Podcast. Please come uh, up to us on the, yeah, uh, goodbye. <laughs> say, say thanks to me and Tim Woodling for doing this podcast episode. Yeah. And say thanks to Chance for supervising. Say thanks to Tume for audio recording this. Uh, he's probably going to cut everything else out and only include himself. But yeah, okay, thank you so much. Okay, and have you. a great day. Okay, stay safe. Stay safe. See you next, next episode. episode. See you next episode. Okay. You say it. Yeah, see you next episode. Goodbye.